in every church in America, and in every home. People are wrestling with same-sex orientation and gender identity, and it's challenging all of our relationships. There's great opportunity for us all to learn and grow, and who better to help us than the senior pastor of Cathedral of Hope? That's Neil Cazares Thomas. He'll be with us on Good God. Stay tuned. Welcome to Good God, conversations that matter about faith and public life. I'm George Mason, your host, and I'm pleased to welcome to the program today my colleague and friend, Neil Cazares Thomas, who is the senior pastor of the Cathedral of Hope Church here in Dallas. Neil, welcome to the program. Good to see you. Good Wonderful. to see you. Well, Neil, we have uh, some common experiences in recent years uh, that's happened. You've only been in Dallas for three years. I've been uh, nearly 30. Mm. Um, but uh, 2015 was a really pivotal year in so many ways. For one thing, of course, uh, we had the historic decision of the Supreme Court uh, when uh, they ruled for marriage equality. And you arrived in Dallas <laughs> three weeks before that, as it's the new senior pastor, of what had once been known, and still informally, I think, been known as the largest gay church mm -hmm. in town. Yep. Uh, the truth of the matter is, as we've explored, uh, it is a much more diverse congregation now, uh, and you've told me that the, the fastest growing uh, uh, demographic in your church are actually traditional families, yep. uh, heterosexual families, which is, I think, something people would be interested in as well. But, uh, but then in the fall, of uh, 2015, our church, Wilshire Baptist, made the decision uh, that we would treat all uh, confessing Christians in Jesus Christ who are members of our church uh, equally in every matter. And uh, that meant uh, people of same-sex orientation and uh, gender identity uh, questions, that they, they had an equal place in, in life uh, in the church with no exceptions and yep. no buts about it. And, that became uh, a historic decision for our church, uh, also a very uh, difficult and mm -hmm. challenging one because of uh, the, uh, the way that fell out with many of our members and people that we loved and cared yeah. for. But during that time, I would say the first person I remember really reaching out to me and saying, uh, we're here for you and thank you uh, for what you've done, uh, was uh, the pastor of Cathedral of Hope. Uh, that was uh, Neil Cazares Thomas, and I thank you for that outreach. Uh, it was an extraordinary moment, and uh, uh, it meant a lot to me uh, during that period when, that was so um, painful uh, in some ways, uh, the loss of friends, uh, and uh, here we've gained a new friendship too. We have, and you know, it was an interesting arriving like three weeks prior to the decision of, out of the mm -hmm. Supreme Court. You know, I was the new kid on the block. I really knew nothing about the landscape of Dallas. Right. Um, you know, I'd had some little orientations. Uh, and then this decision came down and almost uh, within 30 minutes, I received a phone call from WFAA and said, yes. uh, we'd like you to um, come down and be interviewed with uh, Robert Jeffress. And, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, I had no the, idea. The who pastor of First Baptist, Baptist Church. Dallas. Right? I had Dallas. no idea who Robert Jeffress was. Wow. Um, but, you know, I'm the yes person. And so I just said, yeah, sure. And so I was whisked off with um, uh, my director of communications at that time. And we drove down to the WFAA and... Uh, sat in a very similar 
configuration that we're sat in now and uh, was interviewed for about uh, 30 minutes yes. uh, for for the marriage marriage equality decision and only to that later really really understand um, Robert Jeffress and Pastor Jeffress and um, uh, and and his position yes uh, and you know his sometimes theology that I find very difficult to uh, mm. to embrace um, but it, but it was an extraordinary conversation um, yes. with him and uh, set me actually really in the center stage um, right. uh, and preparation for the ministry at Cathedral. So it was, a, but but the decision your church made was um, historic and brave and courageous and uh, should never be taken lightly. And, and I know you went through a tremendous amount of um, time of study and uh, reflection and prayer and spiritual discernment and... Um, you know, the, the, those are those are things in common with with many LGBT people who also have to go through those that journey of the soul. Yes, um, as they discover <clears throat> both who they are, but how they stand uh, with God. Well, and I, I will say that it's um, I, I'm very cautious about uh, comparing my journey with someone of same sex orientation and how they've had to do that because I I don't think that there's enough um, existential um, similarity ab about you know just really who you are before God and your very basic nature and so I, I don't want to overstate that comparison. What I will say is that when I've listened uh, to uh, gay and lesbian Christians talk about uh, how they have come out mm -hmm. and come to grips with that, uh, the process of wrestling spiritually, theologically and all of that uh, with this felt somewhat familiar to mm -hmm, me mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. I was moving from a position uh, of uh, originally as, as a younger person and pastor uh, who could not see or accept uh, that this was uh, plausible within the context of the Christian faith to a period of um, uncertainty, uh, recognizing that maybe, you know, there, there was a um, a way for God to be gracious, but still holding on to a kind of heteronormative mm -hmm. uh, understanding of creation and uh, and the like. And uh, maybe there were exceptions, but there couldn't be an affirmation, mm -hmm. you might say. Mm -hmm. To a time when I really came to recognize that my pastoral care uh, was falling on deaf ears. It was not healing. It was mm -hmm. not bringing the power of Christ to uh, uh, bear in, in making people whole. Yeah. And I uh, had to go back and, and, and really wrestle with texts and tradition and those mm -hmm. sorts of things. And so I had really come to that view before I was able to kind of come openly mm -hmm. and, and, and to come to an affirming position uh, with the church and, and put my own ministry uh, in the crosshairs, in a sense, about that. So it did feel to me like a, a kind of coming out, yeah. of, and, and, and that's a scary place to be, in a sense. You really don't know the future. Mm -hmm. You've only known the security of one way of being. So to have people to, uh, to find, like yourselves, uh, to welcome me and our church, uh, it was an extraordinary thing. And, uh, and you did, and you almost immediately said, let's do some things together. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had to say, can you give us a year? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we, we need to do some healing first uh, on our own, you know. But then we had this uh, extraordinary time last year um, where we 
uh, we shared uh, Holy Week together. Mm -hmm. Your church came and joined us for our Monday Thursday service and we joined you for Good Friday. Uh, and uh, I, I must tell you, Neil, that when you introduced me at Cathedral of Hope on Good Friday, um, the reception uh, of your church um, dumbfounded me. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really was what, literally speechless. Uh, it must have been three minutes of gratitude expressed uh, for us and our leadership in the church. And I, I couldn't be more touched by that or more grateful for uh, what that meant. So thank you. Thank you. And, and as, as you know, you know, it was a, a genuine experience. It was a genuine response. Yes. Um, I, you know, and, and perhaps <laughs> I would say inappropriate for Good Friday. But, uh, but, right, but, right. Well, uh, we, but, got, we got we got into we got, the, we, got back, yeah. we got back to the, we did, the appropriateness. Yes. But people were there was an outpouring, and um, yes. you know, I think there were many, many pieces to that. I think one of the pieces uh, for those who have been who were raised in the Baptist Church right. or in the Southern Baptist Church right. um, was a sense of reconciliation yes there was some symbolism but I also believe genuinely that uh, your leadership in Dallas over the last 30 years mm -hmm. that many of them have watched ah. um, right. was uh, was was affirmed and given mm -hmm. thanks for um, thank you so so I think it was a it was a, a, a wonderful experience of, of living together and for many people I remember on Monday Thursday when we when we came that many of my congregants said my god I've not walked into a Baptist church in yes 20 years yes. and the roof didn't cave in and yes. you know lightning didn't strike and you know uh, so there was it was a very healing experience. well in that night and what followed I would say was extraordinary because the the number of people from each of our congregations who met each other and shared their stories mm -hmm. with tears in their eyes and hugs and, uh, and, and words of blessing and affirmation. Uh, the notes that were written, the emails sent. I actually got an email recently from a member of your congregation just uh, I think two weeks ago uh, following up on last year and saying it's taken me this long to be able to express what I really want to say. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I know you've received other, other such mm -hmm. notes from our congregation as well. Uh, it, it, was an, it is an extraordinary um, grace that churches showed to each other uh, during this period and uh, a real uh, gesture of both hospitality and generosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. And that's, yeah. if that's not the message of Easter, uh, then yes. I don't know what it is. Well, isn't that uh, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, the, the new life that comes after a sense of loss yeah. and death and suffering and those sorts of things. And that's the heart of our faith, isn't it? Absolutely, it's the I heart mean, of our faith. It, no matter what your life experience is, uh, there is a sense that, um, that, that God is not finished with you mm -hmm. when you think everything might be gone. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the motto of the United Church of Christ is God is still speaking. Which is actually yeah. a remarkable uh, statement. And it, 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 I know that it, it comes from uh, John Robinson's mm -hmm. uh, yeah. uh, words that uh, sent the pilgrims off from, uh, uh, on their journey. And, uh, uh, and in a sense said, uh, you know, to keep, to keep open mm -hmm. to what God's word might say to you next. And, yeah. and that's part of the UCC's uh, uh, historic theological tradition, mm -hmm. but uh, God is still speaking. God's still speaking, and right. uh, it's remarkable in, in what God will reveal. There is yet more light to come mm -hmm. from the Holy Scriptures. Yeah. Uh, whereas I think some in our traditions think that um, they, they, they have the idea that the word is somehow um, 
frozen in time, mm -hmm. uh, but even the scripture itself speaks about how it is living, the word of God is living mm -hmm. and active and able uh, to judge, uh, to judge us and to call us uh, to, to new life. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch how we continue to learn. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jesus said, well, even you will do greater things than I. Yes, yeah. when the Holy Spirit comes upon yeah. you, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is his own spirit. So what would those greater things be? Yeah. You know, what, would, what, what kinds of new experiences and new truth? He said, the spirit will lead you into all truth, mm -hmm. truth that you could not yet bear. Mm -hmm. uh, something that has uh, been working on me for a long time about that is that phrase about bearing, mm -hmm. that until you've suffered enough, until you've borne the truth, you're not ready to receive it and, and accept it. And the disciples themselves had not been yet yeah. in that position. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And your community certainly has. Um, we certainly have, and and, and you know, um, you know, and I, and and still even through to today, um, you know, the damage that has been done to lesbian and gay people specifically, you know, bisexual and transgender folk, of course. But the, the, the damage that has been done um, in, in this kind of divorce between God and gays, mm -hmm. um, the suicides that yes. you know, I, I officiate at, um, the low self-esteem that continues to prevail, yes. um, the, the lesbian and gay community, uh, bisexual and transgender, as we've embraced more in the LGBT community, um, you know, the lives that the homeless kids, you know, who self-identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. And, and some 40% of the homeless population of youth mm -hmm. are uh, LGBTQ yep. uh, young and, people. And say that they're homeless because of religious bias. Exactly. You know, and the yes. church doesn't take much responsibility for what it's right. done. Right, um, right. And still does. I mean, you have, there are great congregations like yours and ours and, and other affirming churches. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the loudest voice out there is not always ours. Yes. Um, well, we're going to take a break. But when we come back from the break, I, I want us to talk about uh, how we have come to understand our Christian theology in a way that can be affirming of uh, LGBTQ uh, identified persons and, uh, and and how that leads us into solidarity with and to, to justice work with uh, other marginalized mm -hmm. communities as mm -hmm. well. So let's take a break and we'll be right back. The Thanksgiving Foundation operates Thanksgiving Square. Good God salutes the Thanksgiving Foundation for advocating interfaith dialogue to promote understanding, harmony and friendship in a community of diverse faith traditions and cultures. We're back with Neil Cazares Thomas. And Neil, we were just talking about uh, how uh, the church has not always been, and usually has not been throughout history, a place of welcome uh, to persons of same-sex orientation, uh, transgender persons, persons of gender dysphoria. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's been uncomfortable to, to be in it. We see some change in that now happily as, as more and more churches are, are wrestling with this and are undergoing an evaluation of how their theology has previously been unwelcoming and how it can be welcoming. Uh, what are some of the keys if you were talking to someone who said, but the Bible says, mm -hmm. you know, but, but 
all of the Christian history, it has been one way, and all of a sudden you want to say something else. Are there a few markers that you would say, pay attention to this and this and this? What would you say? Well, if, if we're just going strictly on the lesbian, gay stuff, yeah. um, bisexual, transgender stuff, I, I mean, I would certainly point to David and Jonathan in yes. the Hebrew scriptures. And of course, you know, David is the line of, Jesus is the line of David. Mm-hmm. I would certainly refer to Ruth and Naomi. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and that's not to say that they were gay um, or lesbian, right. but there was certainly some same-sex attraction. Um, definitely when David says, you know, to Jonathan, just such greater love have I had for you than I've had for any of my women. Right. Um, and right. we know that you know, David had a lot of women. A lot of women. Um, and so, uh, you know, and then Ruth and Naomi, um, you know, mm-hmm. where you die, I die. May your God be my God. May God deal with me ever, be ever so severely if anything but death separates you and I. Right. I mean, those are the, the vows of the Christian marriage ceremony. That we How repeat. many weddings have we done <laughs> yes. where people have wanted to use yeah. that passage? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, we're the so ever thou goest, yeah. I will go. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh-huh. Vows between two women. Yes. Um, yes. There was no man involved in those vows. Right. Um, so, 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 you know, Let's pay attention uh, to right. the scriptures that we, we say we support. But then also, um, historically as the church, um, we have, you know, the scriptures have not changed, mm-hmm. but our positions have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, for, for in, the, in our civil rights movement here in the United States, for instance, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the white church uh, mm-hmm. defended its de- position on slavery mm-hmm. um, and its position on uh, unequal status for uh, black folk. Right. Based on this same scripture that hasn't changed, yes. um, that somehow black folks were only three quarters human. Yes, you know. So, so, so we're not the only group that have been excluded. Yes. Uh, women. Right. Um, you know, we the scriptures have not changed, but our position, our understanding, our education, our social locations right. um, have. And I, I think that um, the scripture is always about including more. Yes. And the times when we exclude or we restrict those inclusions, mm-hmm. um, I, I believe those are the times when we grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, so I, I think you, you mentioned social location uh, and, and, and personal experience as being a part of this. Those are things that uh, so often when I was growing up, I was sort of taught to be suspicious of, mm-hmm. you know, because if you, uh, if you pay too much attention to sociology or to personal experience, you're not privileging the Word of God in its judgment over you and conforming yourself to it. And yet what we have learned is how easy it is for us to read the, ourselves into the Bible mm-hmm. uh, in, in, wherever we are. You know, we, we have a tendency to want the Bible to suit us, and that includes those of us who are in positions that are privileged and powerful and whatnot. When the Scripture itself is born out of an oppressed community mm-hmm. that's being liberated, and, uh, and, and in fact in our... Advent text, uh, we, we have uh, in the, the Gospel text uh, here at Advent, it says that, uh, you know, that during all of the years of these religious and political rulers, the word of the Lord came instead mm-hmm. to John the Baptist, yep. who is in the wilderness. Yes. And, and, and I think we have to pay attention to this sense that God seems to get to the powerful through the marginalized, mm-hmm. not the other way around. And we are always trying to figure out how to, you know, how to, how to acknowledge that God has somehow worked through our political and religious mm-hmm. leaders 
And it, it's supposed to trickle down, but it doesn't trickle no. down. It's supposed to come up. Absolutely. And, and, and even to have Jesus born in a borrowed room. Right, right. Um, you yes. know, in, the, in a lowly stable rather than a palace. Right. Uh, should speak to us about the marginalized. And, right. um, you know, I mean, I think that the whole role of the church is always about the margins. Yes. You know, we take the, we take the message to the margins because that's where it's being lived. Yes. It may not be accepted, but it's where it's being lived. Right. Um, right. And then the problem we do as a church then is that we try to bring the margins to the center. Yes. And instead of always finding out where the margins are. Right. Now, on, uh, on the other hand, there is, uh, I think, also a challenge when you are learning to read the scripture that way and welcoming everyone uh, in. Nonetheless, there are things we've learned across time about habits of holiness, mm -hmm. about uh, about how to live a good life that I think are also important for us not to neglect. And uh, it, it seems to me to be um, uh, always a dismissive canard that churches that are progressive have no uh, standards, mm -hmm. they, have, they have no uh, enduring values, they don't call people to discipline, mm -hmm. uh, that sort of thing. And of course it is a challenge, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it, it, it's, it, for every tradition, it's a challenge to recognize that we are unconditionally loved and welcomed, but we're also being asked to take up our cross mm -hmm. and to follow mm -hmm. Christ in a very deliberate way that lives uh, that, that a good life uh, consists in certain kind of habits of, of being, right? Absolutely. We, 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 we say in our church, um, you know, everybody's welcome, but not all behaviors are. Ah, there you go. Um, and it's incumbent on us. If we really want to follow the way, the truth of right. life, then we have to take up that place of dis discipline or discipleship right? Um, and to understand that personally. Yes. You know, I, th I don't think the role of the church is to tell people how to live. I right. think the, ch the role of the church is to point people to their better selves. Good. And, um, you know, especially in a, in a community of, of oppressed peoples yes. um, who have always been countercultural, who have yes. always been on the margins, who have always been told they're not good enough, they're mm -hmm. not acceptable, they you know, may as well go and eat worms for the rest of their lives because mm -hmm. they're going to go to hell in a handbasket anyway. Um, it, is, it is easy for a group of people, a marginalized people, to not want to buy into a system that calls them to behavior. Yes. Um, and so yeah, we've learnt, uh, or I've learnt, that in my conversations with people um, is to actually find a way to help people build a better self-esteem. Yes. Um, because if you start to love yourself, mm -hmm. there are certain things you won't do to yourself. Right. Um, and uh, my job, I, I constantly believe as a pastor, is, is to help people to find their self-esteem, to find a place within them that says, I'm worth more than what I've been doing. Well, if they're created in the image and likeness of mm -hmm. God, how there's, there is no greater place to, to go mm -hmm. in terms of recognizing that you matter. You if, matter. If you, yep. if you, if you, every one of us is made in the image and likeness yes. of God. Yes. Uh, gay people, straight people, um, young people, old people, white people, black people, brown people, come on. Yep. You know, we're we're all, all made, in, all the made in the image and likeness of yep. God. Uh, but you, you did raise an interesting uh, issue of, of how um, marginalized people uh, have sometimes internalized their marginalization mm -hmm. in a way. And, and, and the, uh, the marriage equality decision was actually broadly welcomed by many in your community, but also 
you know, challenged uh, by, it, it challenges some. And, and tell, tell us more about how uh, the, the diverse reaction to that that you've experienced. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, especially in the lesbian and gay community, and I'll just, I'll narrow that down perhaps even to gay okay. men. Okay. Uh, and that's not to say that this does not apply to lesbian women, but uh, I'm, I have more experience in the gay male yes. community. Um, you know, so for many in the gay male community, um, the sexual freedom and sexual liberation mm -hmm. um, didn't necessarily equate to monogamy. Yes. Um, and, you know, let's be also clear, monogamy is a, a modern construct. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's biblical. Um, it's something that we've evolved into as a, as a society um, mm -hmm. around privilege and power. But, um, but what's, what was interesting is that there were, of course, a large percentage of people who um, who had lived through the AIDS years, mm -hmm. um, who were coupled, and who lost everything when their partners died, Right. Um, that there were some legal protections mm -hmm. that uh, couples could now receive uh, mm -hmm. by getting married and, and having right. all of the rights and privileges of, of marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a whole, uh, another section of our community who were like, you know, we're, we're selling out Mm -hmm. um, to, to, to what we have fought for yes. around sexual liberation and sexual freedom. Right. Um, and who are not in um, monogamous mm -hmm. couples, that, right. you know, in triads or family groups. or right. um, and, and that is not something that's only in the lesbian and gay community. I know, I know, I know many well, straight, straight folks who live in those, uh, in the, in, mm -hmm. in those life uh, groups. Mm -hmm. um, without any judgment from my side, please hear that. Um, yeah. You know, and so it was. It was interesting to see um, mm -hmm. how we wrestled with. Mm -hmm. um, I, I will say that you know, here we are in 2018, and I've now done more marriages than I've done funerals. Wow, um, that's remarkable. And that is remarkable. Okay. Uh, there was yes. a moment I remember just uh, last year when I realized that I'd now done more weddings than funerals, okay. and there was yes. some there was some liberation in that. Yes. Yes. Um, and some hope in all of that. So for me, rather than challenging the question of, of monogamy uh, or you know, looking at alternative ways to talk about sexual freedom, uh, in, in, in our church's decision in, in looking at this, it's, it's really a question of shouldn't one standard apply to everyone? Yes. You know, yep. And, and if, if we're going to hold people accountable for their behavior, then we should hold everyone accountable for the same standard. And marriage equality, uh, on, a, on a legal basis, actually forced the church, I think, to rec reckon with what was a double standard mm -hmm. that it, it had held. Because I think for a lot of churches, they had come to the place of saying, I do think probably gay people are born that way, or that there's, you know, uh, it, it's, it's not a conscious choice for someone to be gay. And yet, mm, marriage is a bridge too far because that's too like the normal life of the church. Mm -hmm. So what is one supposed to do if one is a gay Christian then mm -hmm. living in the church? Well, it seems like it, for a long time it was about kind of winking and saying, mm -hmm. yeah, no, we love you and you're present, but just don't make me think about this. Mm -hmm. Well, um, it, that sort of diminishes a person's sense of full value in the church. Mm -hmm. and. What we found is that when we were able to say, this is possible now for you, um, it, it, it changed everything in terms of people's self-esteem, mm -hmm. their, their, their feeling of place, and not being special, and not calling for a revolution for everyone, but simply saying, 
all right, there are standards, and we want to live together in, in the same kind of standard. Yeah, and, and I would say, George, in our, in our church, you know, we had done marriages yes. um, for lesbian and gay couples for decades. Right, um, just that we weren't legally well, They weren't legal. They were, right. we, we, they were religious marriages, right. and um, you know, that was our religious freedom, mm-hmm. uh, just as uh, mm-hmm. we talk about religious freedom today. Um, and so you know, we had lots and lots of couples who were in marriages, yes. and, and all we did then was uh, did the legal piece. Yes, right. But you're right. I mean, I think it does bring about a sense of, of I'm, I'm accepted, uh, right. well, especially if your government yes. at the very highest level affirms that. And, mm-hmm. and I do believe that it has transformed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I got married, mm-hmm. uh, coming up on, I think, six years ago now, yes. um, you know, I thought, oh, it's not, nothing's going to change. But it did. Fascinating. You know? um, yeah. I, 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 I think the, the piece that changed for me was there's some permanence to this. Yes. You know, um, right. I, I can't just get up and walk away. Right. Um, where, whereas before, you know, there, it, was, it, was, it was a consensual agreement that we were going to be together, but there was no Promises. nothing to bond us together. Right. So there's a kind of covenantal reality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bonhoeffer said something to the effect of uh, uh, love makes marriages and forever thereafter marriage makes love. Yes. You know, which yeah. I think is, is really a way um, to, to recognize that, that turn that happens, that the sense of covenant and, and, and promise that one enters into with those vows uh, creates a, a level of security mm-hmm. and, a, and a new sense of confidence going forward that uh, uh, that really makes a difference. Well, Neil, this has been a fascinating conversation, and I, I'm so grateful to be uh, able to explore this with you and uh, for people to overhear uh, what we're up to together in, in this work. Uh, I know it has permutations beyond LGBTQ matters mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and the way our churches address uh, our mission to the world. Uh, and I, I hope that people will have a sense uh, that there's good news emanating from our congregations and many others who are beginning to explore these directions. Thanks for all you do. Thank you, George. Okay. Good God is created by Dr. George Mason, produced and directed by Jim White. Guest coordination and social media by Upward Strategy Group. Good God, Conversations with George Mason is the podcast devoted to bringing you ideas about God and faith and the common good. All material copyright 2018 by Faith Commons. Good God salutes the vital services provided to our community by the North Texas Food Bank. Each day, the North Texas Food Bank Feeding Network provides access to more than 190,000 meals for hungry children, seniors, and families. Visit ntfb.org to get involved.